Welcome to the Grattan Institute podcast channel. This is a discussion of one of Grattan's reports. Welcome to another Grattan Report podcast. You're with Megan from the Grattan Institute and today we're discussing regional patterns of Australia's economy and population. There is a common belief that Australia's regions are getting a raw deal compared to the big capital cities. Grattan's recent research into opportunities, economic growth, employment and population shifts across Australia suggests a more nuanced story. Whilst patterns have been identified in Australia's economy and population, there are exceptions to these generalisations that should not be ignored. This research is a stepping stone to understanding the broader story of Australia's rising preference for minor party voting, particularly in regional electorates. Joining me today to discuss the Regional Patterns Working Paper is co-author and Grattan Australian Perspectives Fellow, Danny Wood. Welcome, Danny. Thanks for having me, Megan. Danny, the working paper just released looks at trends in incomes, employment and demographics across Australia over the past decade. What have been some of the major influencing economic forces during that period? Yeah, that's right, Megan. We've been having a lot of fun digging around in census data and tax stats data. Um, but the, the sort of trends that are, are sitting behind some of the things we're seeing uh, first of all, we've obviously had a mining boom. Um, that was a huge increase in investment and jobs in the mining sector. Um, so over the past decade, mining investments been running at about 6% of GDP. So to give you some idea, in kind of the 50 years before that, it was about 2% of GDP. So an absolute huge expansion in the mining sector. So we see that in the jobs data. Although I think um, most people think employment in mining is much higher than it actually is. So before the mining boom, it was about 1.3% of total jobs in the economy were in the mining sector. That jumped up to, to about 2.4% at the peak of the boom, um, but still kind of relatively modest as a share of the total economy. The other thing we saw from the boom was a big increase in national income. We were just exporting a lot of coal and iron ore and the prices were really, really high. Um, so that was a big boost in national income. And we see that particularly concentrated in the mining regions like the Pilbara um, in WA um, or the Bowen Basin in Queensland, um, but also actually in those capital cities that are close to the mining regions in, in, in Perth and Brisbane, we saw really big increases in incomes during that period. Um, so that was one big thing that was going on. The second thing that was going on was really part of a longer term trend, which is the movement of the Australian economy. So the Australian economy, just like many other uh, industrialised countries, is increasingly moving towards the services sector. So the share of the economy, the share of jobs in the services sector is growing. Can you, for everyone at home, just explain what that means? What is the services sector as a whole? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an incredibly diverse sector. Um, so it's everything from health and education, um, accommodation, food services. So if you think of anything in the economy that's not manufacturing, it's not agriculture, it's not mining, and it's not construction, everything less of the services sector. <laughs> um, so you and I work in the services sector, um, as do probably most of the people that we know. So there's a trend um, in industrial countries as, as economies get richer for a bigger share of the economy to go towards um, services. So an example of that, um, in the US, I recently heard that it's actually now more yoga instructors than there are coal miners. Wow. That's, and I wonder, I, I suspect maybe the same in Australia. There certainly seems to be a whole lot of yoga instructors out there. <laughs> that is true, yeah. <laughs> On every corner. Yeah. <laughs> um, so services sector actually now accounts for about 80% of jobs in the Australian economy. Okay. Um, so it is by far the largest employer of jobs. Mm. Um, as we said, that's very diverse. Um, but 
that is driving a lot of the um, the changes we see in terms of where jobs are located, for example. Mm. Um, so where we've um, the sectors that have shrunk are agriculture and manufacturing. Manufacturing in particular has shrunk from about 30% of jobs to less than 10% over the past three or four decades. Um, those jobs tended to be located kind of on the outer fringes of the cities. In contrast, um, services sector varies a bit. Healthcare jobs, for example, tend to be quite dispersed. But when you look at high-end services jobs, so professional services, you know, accounting, law firms, engineering, um, they actually tend to cluster into the cities. Um, so if you're running a major law firm, you want to be in the city because it's close to where your clients are, it's close to where your suppliers are, it's close to the pool of talented workers. Um, and what that means is as that sector tends to grow, you get more and more jobs growth in the cities. And that kind of almost exerts a sort of gravitational pull, bringing people in from the regions, particularly young, well-educated people, and bringing migrants into the city centres. Mm. So all of that kind of broader structural shifts in the economy are underpinning these trends that we're looking at in this paper. So let's talk about income growth and inequality. Has income growth been significantly higher in cities than regions? Yeah, this was actually the, to me, the, the really surprising thing to come out of this research. Um, so we kind of knew incomes were higher in the cities and the regions. That's kind of nothing new. Um, and there's certainly been a popular perception that cities have been growing faster, that things have been better for people in the cities and the regions have been falling behind. But when we actually looked into the data, I think the, the story was more nuanced, as you said at the start. Um, so per person income growth, so if we look at, um, we're mainly using tax stats data for this analysis as the, you know, the actual numbers that people are putting in on their tax returns, um, which has the advantage that uh, obviously, hopefully they're, they're telling the true story on their tax returns, otherwise <laughs> they're in a bit of trouble from the government. <laughs> Could be a call for some audits. Exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, second of all, um, you know, census data is great, but it, it puts incomes into ranges. So you don't really see the true picture of what's going on at the top in terms of income, whereas you can pick that up in the tax stats data. Um, and they very helpfully um, release tax stats data on a postcode basis, so we can have a look at the regional patterns of growth. So what we saw in terms of the growth in income per person is it actually wasn't substantially different in the regions compared to the cities on average. Now, both have areas where incomes are growing strongly, both have areas where income growth is basically not happening at all, um, but we didn't see any kind of strong bias to the city. In other words, the gap between the cities and the regions isn't increasing over time. What is happening though, is as we were talking about before, as population growth tends to concentrate into the cities, the total size of those city economies is getting bigger. Mm. It's just that the individuals within the city um, don't have incomes that are growing any faster than those in the regions. Right. So it looks like income is increasing in the cities, but in fact, it's population. Exactly. Increasing That's right. So you have to look to understand what's happening mm. at an individual level to individual economic well-being. You mm. need to look at per capita mm. income growth. Mm. And that's where we're, we're not seeing any substantial difference. Mm -hmm. And what about within states? What's the in income distribution like within the state? Yeah, so, I mean, what's interesting is that effect we were talking about is basically mirrored in each state. Um, so you see it in the mining states, for example, that the regional areas have performed strongly. And that's perhaps not surprising because they've had a mining boom. But actually, when we look at non-mining states like New South Wales and Victoria, the same pattern emerges that the regions have grown just as strongly as the cities on a per capita basis.
And so we've talked about income growth, but what about income inequality? So what's that looking like across the regions? Yeah, again, it was quite an interesting picture. Um, So we thought it might be interesting to have a look at intra-region inequality. So um, often people will tend to compare themselves and their economic situation with those that are living nearby. Um, So we're having a look at inequality within regions. And what we found is that inequality is lower in the regional areas compared to cities. Um, In fact, as a general rule, um, higher income areas in general tend to have higher inequality. Um, My working hypothesis for that is that, um, you know, poor people tend to be everywhere, but rich people tend to cluster in those rich suburbs. Mm. So you get those big differentials between the rich and the poor in the richer areas. Um, So it doesn't seem that inequality um, is a particularly strong problem in the regions compared to the cities. Um, And actually inequality is growing more strongly in city suburbs compared Mm. to the regions as well. Um, And and how about employment outcomes in cities compared to regions? Are unemployment rates different? Um, Look, again, it's a hugely diverse picture. Um, and we've done some um, some you know nice maps of all these things, but again, I, mean, I think what jumped out at me is that unemployment outcomes were not obviously worse in the region. Um, there's obviously pockets of regional areas that have huge problems with unemployment, um, and and far north Queensland really jumps out at you on the map. So unemployment rates there are actually more than forty percent, um, you know, c- comparing to you know a national average of about six percent. Um, in the year that we have the data for. So, you know, it's a huge problem in certain regional areas. Um, There's also a problem with unemployment in certain pockets of the city. Um, And what we saw on our maps actually were these kind of called spines coming out from the city centres along the major growth corridors. Um, So in Melbourne, sort of between Dandenong and Pakenham Mm. is an example, in Sydney between Botany Bay and Liverpool. Um, so along those kind of major growth corridors, you have areas with quite high unemployment. Um, but again, you know, it's hard to say that unemployment is um, specifically a regional problem. Um, it's very diverse right across the country. And based on your research, what patterns have you seen in population growth and demographics across Australia? Um, well, you know, probably no surprise to, to anyone listening to this podcast that um, population in Australia is highly concentrated in the cities, um, particularly along the, the <laughs> east coast of Australia. <laughs> Shock horror. I know. Um, but, you know, that's continued to be the trend mm-hmm. over the past decade. We've seen very strong growth in the cities, as we've already talked about, um, strong growth along um, some of the more kind of picturesque parts of the East Coast where mm-hmm. um, I think people might like to settle in retirement. The sea um, change. The sea changes, that's right, and the tree changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen um, strong growth in some of the, the mining regions. Mm. Um, we also had a look at some of the patterns of immigration and, and where particular immigrant groups tend to settle. Um, so migrants from Asia, Middle East and Africa um, very much tend to settle in the major capital cities. Um, And there's certain um, suburbs within those cities, particularly in Sydney and Melbourne, where those migrant groups tend to cluster. Um, The contrast was to um, English-speaking migrants or migrants from a European background. They actually tend to be more spread out throughout the country, at at least over the past 10 years. Mm. So, Danny, I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that this work um, will inform future research that Grattan is currently exploring on the rise of minor party voting. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about what that paper will explore and how this research will inform it? 
Yeah, sure. So we are looking at um, the the rise in the minor party vote has been a very long term trend in Australia, but we're particularly focusing on the period since 2004. Um, so in that time, so when I'm talking about minor party vote now, I'm talking about um, Senate first preference Senate vote. Mm. We've seen a, a really strong rise in votes for, for minor parties in the Senate. Um, and there's also a regional dimension to that. So people in regional areas have always had a stronger tendency to vote for minor parties and mm. people in the cities, but that difference is increasing over time. Um, so in our research, we're really trying to understand two things. What's driving that increase in the minor party vote and what's driving it particularly strongly in regional areas. Mm. Um, so there's various um, kind of hypotheses out there about what's doing it. Um, some people say it's all about the economics and it's the regions being left behind. Mm. Um, so some of the work that we've done in this paper is, is trying to cover off on that. Mm. Um, and as I said, it's not clearly jumping out to us as an economic explanation. The fact that income growth has actually held out pretty well in the regions on average, the fact that employment outcomes are not obviously worse, all suggest to us that there's more going on than just an economic story. Um, we're looking at differences in service levels, so things like health and education in the cities versus the regions. So we're also looking at various um, sort of social and, and cultural explanations for what might be driving the minor party vote. Um, so something that really stands out in the survey data, for example, is that people are more likely to vote for the minor parties um, if they have less trust in government. So that suggests to us that a lot of my, what is going on with the minor party vote might not be about attraction to particular minor party policies. It may well be about protesting um, against the major parties. That, that survey data that you were just talking about, does that look at... So obviously the data... Um, that we've looked at doesn't show a significant economic difference between cities and regions. Mm -hmm. But do regions have a self-reported feeling of being left behind? Is there any kind of survey evidence of that? Yeah, so we have had a look at that, actually. There's a, um, some questions in the Australian Electoral Study Survey about um, optimism about financial future. Um, so looking ahead 12 months, do you think you'll be better or worse off than you are today? Um, and actually the levels of optimism or should I say pessimism I think most people are pessimistic mm. um, are about the same in the cities okay. compared to major towns and, and regional areas mm. wow thank you so much for your time today Danny you've certainly had some interesting and surprising findings so far I look forward to hearing all about the next stage of this research when you release the political fragmentation report to download a copy of the current working paper on regional patterns of Australia's economy and population head to our website grattan.edu.au and of course stay up to date with all of Grattan's news research and events by subscribing to our Twitter at Grattan Inst or on Facebook Grattan Institute as always if you've enjoyed this podcast please help your friends to find it by heading over to iTunes and giving us a rating or review. Thanks for listening. Grattan Institute is uniquely positioned to bring an independent, rigorous and practical lens to big issues in public policy with the capacity to talk honestly to both sides of politics. We maintain this unique position through the generosity of the public and our affiliate companies. If you would like to find out more about contributing to our continued independence, head to our website to donate. Grattan.edu.au. This has been a Grattan Institute podcast. If you want to hear more, subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes.